It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Coach Unplugged is brought to you by great people over at teachhoops.com. For coaches who want to get better. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. Here is your host, Steve Collins. Hey everybody, welcome to Coach Unplugged, episode 303. Well, before we get started and jump into this great interview with Coach Cooks about um, kind of his journey, we'll talk about in a second. Um, I want to give a big shout out to Dr. Dish. Make sure you go over and check him out. The number one shooting machine on the market. Um, it is uh, it is everything you need to work on that muscle memory. So go over and check them out. Make sure you mention Coach Unplugged, and I'll give you $300 off your next purchase. Um, I also want to apologize for my uh, March voice. I've been uh, probably scolding the people in striped shirts too much lately. Uh, I'd also like you to go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Um, it is... Uh, it is the Netflix for basketball coaches. You know, there's lots of communities out there and lots of choices. Um, I would put us up against anything. Um, I would love to see if the other communities, if you email them, if they respond to you in the same day. I was actually on my bus, um, on my on my way on a two-hour bus ride um, two days ago, and got a Teachups member email and I responded to it and. He was going off to a game and had some questions. So um, I would put our customer service, I would put our content and all of that against anybody's out there. So go over and check it out. Um, for the time being, there's going to be a 14-day free trial. I'm not sure how long that's going to last. I know um, there's been talking among our uh, among our uh, group here that uh, maybe we'll, we'll stop that in the spring. But go over and check it out. We, we think it's great. And um, let's, uh, let's get off to the interview with part one of the interview with Co- Coach Cooks. Um, it's, we're going to talk about him and his coaching journey and then eventually talk about his book, um, getting undressed from paralysis to purpose. I think it's a great, uh, a great process. So, um, I think you'll enjoy, um, today and tomorrow's podcast. So, um, here we go. One more thing I forgot, and usually I don't add these things, but I forgot that, uh, coach's book will be down in the show notes. Make sure you check it out. Um, it is getting undressed from paralysis to purpose. It's a great book. Go over and check it out. Um, we'll put a link down in the show notes so you can, uh, after you hear coach, you can go get it for him. All right. 
right. Okay, welcome to Coach Unplugged. This is Coach Steger here. I have the privilege of having David Cooks on the show today. Uh, David is the author of a wonderful memoir called Getting Undressed from Paralyzed to Purpose. Uh, my goal today within my podcast is to connect it to coaching basketball. But as we know, it goes beyond X's and O's. So not only will our podcast make you a better basketball coach, it'll hopefully uh, make you a better person. Uh, so, David, I just want to say it's been a pleasure for you to be on the show. And if you could give me a, a brief overview of um, who you are and a little bit about your basketball journey as we get started today. Well, it's a, ple it's a pleasure for me to be uh, with you. And I, I always take these opportunities. Uh, I don't take them for granted. And right. so it's just great to be great to be with you. Uh, I, I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I uh, grew up here and um, got involved in basketball uh, as a youngster, as a player. Um, ended up uh, suffering a spinal aneurysm when I was 15 years old. And so I had to kind of change how the game was going to be played for me. And uh, eventually I was fortunate enough to get involved in coaching uh, through Rick Cobb and the Vic Tanny Warriors back here in, in Wisconsin in the late 80s, early 90s with arguably uh, the greatest group of, of high school basketball players in, in Wisconsin to ever be assembled. Uh, the names of, of Calvin Rayford, Jim McElvain, Damon Key, Deion Mims, si Silas Mills. It goes on and on. Um, uh, Wisconsin, those are legends, uh, legends that I even know, and I'm only 33 years old, and a name like Calvin Rayford is somebody that I, I, I have good understanding because I'm a Milwaukee public teacher, and he teaches by it, and, and MPS now coaches. So a name like that is somebody that I can uh, totally connect with. So. Yeah, so it was a great opportunity for, for me to get started with that. Rick Cobb was the head coach, and the late Tim Larkin, whose son Kevin also played on that team, um, identified me as someone that they thought I, um, that could help, help their program and, and, and help to motivate uh, their young men. And, and I, I took advantage of that. And uh, from there, you know, I, I began to make connections at very high levels, obviously because of some of the players that we had on the, on the team. And uh, I went to Duke University in 1993, 1991, rather, uh, to get my MBA. And um, so when I got there, I was like, you know, what the heck? Let me go see if I can meet Coach K. <laughs> I know, right? That's an and, awesome uh, part of your book that I truly enjoy. So if you can continue, but it's awesome. <laughs> and so, so I, I decided, well, you know, I've got nothing to lose. I'm going to get my MBA anyway. And right. so since I'm here and I, and I think I have something to offer, let me go see if I can um, be a part of the program and help out. It had never been done before. And the people at the business school were a little concerned about could I handle the academic uh, rigors and the basketball at the same time. And my answer to that was yes and yes. And so um, when I went to Duke, um, and here, here's, here's how crazy it was, uh, Tommy Amaker, who's the head coach at Harvard, uh, was just coming on as a full-time assistant. Jay Billis uh, was just completing his uh, graduate degree in law. Uh, Mike Bray was an assistant coach there as well, and the great Pete Gaudette was the other assistant. And so these were the guys that were there. And Tommy Amaker played a pretty big role in helping me to meet Coach K and how he was leaving the business school to go help coach out. And uh, I was able to meet him in the parking lot. And uh, he asked for, uh, do you have a bio? Do you have anything that I can give the coach? And I happen to have one letter that a guy named Bob Schick uh, wrote about me um, from Tampa, Florida, when we were with the Vic Tanny Warriors. And I had that to give to him. Uh, he gave it to Coach K and, and eventually 
um, right before school started, I made one last effort to go meet Coach K. And sure enough, we met at the entrance of Cameron Indoor Stadium. And um, the rest of that was kind of history after that. We met, we sat down. Um, eventually, uh, that first year, there wasn't much that I could do for the program because all the positions were filled. But I, I came every day and went to every practice. I paid my way on trips to, I remember, I remember, I remember going to UCLA. And what a, oh, that was an amazing venue to go to. And so I did those types of things in Carolina, all that kind of stuff. The second year came around and Coach K um, and I were sitting down. He said, we'd love to have you in the program this year, um, but we really don't have any positions. But if, you'll be, if you'd be willing to be a manager for us, then uh, I think we can make something work out. Well, it didn't take me long to say yes to that. Even though I was a 28-year-old grown man, I understood that filling up water bottles and uh, washing, la- washing laundry um, wasn't the end of the world. I had been prepared for that before. And so small beginnings didn't scare me. I took full advantage of that opportunity uh, and v- eventually were able to build the confidence of coach and the staff and begin to do more coaching and film breakdown and, and things like that. And um, from there, that put me on a different platform in terms of coaching. Um, I left Duke in 93 and, um, and, and I went up to the Northeast had a corporate job and just realized that I needed to coach and wanted to coach. And so I left a corporate job, took a 70% pay cut uh, to work in education and uh, begin coaching in Darien, Connecticut. It probably wasn't the best basketball in the world, but it's where I cut my teeth and I start to learn the significance of coaching and building relationships and, and how to be positive and how to find wins when you're losing um, and how to get young people to, to, grow in all those types of things. And so I did that and um, had a great time with that. Started an AAU program out there that was very successful called the Stanford Express Basketball Program. Uh, We placed over 60 kids in college over a five-year period, which I was really proud of. And um, and most of those kids were at the at the the non-scholarship level. And I love that because I didn't have to compete, you know, with everybody else. We took guys that just wanted to work hard and get better. And that's what we tried to do. Uh, so ultimately, I moved back to Milwaukee in 1999 and uh, wasn't interested in really coaching or being a head coach. I, I wanted to have some anonymity. I wanted to be able to go to the grocery store and not have to answer questions and uh, hear, hear about their sons and all that kind of stuff. So I did accept the JV position at Marquette High School. And a couple of years later, I was fortunate enough to become the head coach there. And what a great experience for me to coach at my alma mater. Um, and to, again, at the end of the day, it was about influencing the lives of young men and trying to help them become better people. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed the 14 years I had there. Uh, we parted ways. And then I went to Concordia University as an assistant coach there. And I loved every minute of that, um, especially the recruiting aspect of it, because that was relationship building, right. which is something that I think I've been gifted to do in one of the areas that um, I'm special at for me personally. Right. And, um, uh, and so that uh, I did a five year stint there. And then I finished writing my book, uh, Getting Undressed from Paralysis to Purpose. That book came out in August of 2018. And uh, this, this is the first season in nearly 30 years that I haven't been on the sideline. Um, and, uh, but I'm okay with that. You know, because I've, I've had some great experiences and some uh, great relationships over the years. And now I'm able to take some of those relationships and experiences 
put them in a book and share them with people all over this country. Okay. So you basically did a great overview of your book, um, but why did you decide to write your book? And we'll, we'll go into talking a little bit more about basketball in a couple minutes, but I think it's often important uh, as basketball coaches not to always just read books that are completely connected to basketball. And I think your book is a great reason. It has a good variety of, of a lot of X's and O's, but it also talks about other things that make us as uh, good coaches and good people. Um, what was your inspiration or why did you decide to write the memoir? Well, you know, um, I, when I left my um, teaching job at Marquette High School and I taught economics there and it was the 17 years I was there, I, I, I remember telling my wife that I felt my assignment was up. I didn't know what I was supposed to do next, but I remember telling the guys in my last day of class that I'm going to write a book. And when I wrote the book, I didn't have an audience in mind for the book, but I did have a purpose in mind. And the purpose was a real simple one, that people who would read the book would hopefully, hopefully be motivated and inspired to move from very difficult places that they may have in their life and to keep moving forward and have some success and find purpose, find their own purpose, and then put that purpose into action to make other people's lives better. And that was really the motivation behind the book. And um, let me just tell you, I, I don't like to read or write. So uh, for me <laughs> to write this book was a stretch of myself as well. And uh, one of the greatest uh, accomplishments that I'm, one of, one of the things I'm most proud of um, that I've ever done because it's, it wasn't easy um, and you have to be transparent and you have to be willing to put yourself out there so people can grow from the things that I've learned. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. I'm a huge reader. Uh, so it, it's easy for me to want to be able to not, you know, I love reading books and your book is uh, for me as somebody that's always been a big Duke fan, not as much as I used to be, but um, during the nineties and two thousands and some of the teams and the, just uh, the ins and outs of coach K and um, from uh, all the stories of being a high school basketball to getting in touch with what you did, uh, discovered with wheelchair wheelchair basketball at Whitewater and all these different things um, was very, very Everybody, I hope you're enjoying that. Take 30 seconds, stop the car, stop your jog, hit subscribe, hit like, leave a five-star review, we would sure like that. And then when you get home, pull out that credit card, go join teachhoops.com, invest in your coaching, invest in your future, um, join our community. I don't think you'll be disappointed. All right, let's get back to the interview. Very uh, inspiring and so forth. I have a, a bunch of questions in relationship to really regards to basketball and so forth. Um, you had an opportunity to be around probably the greatest basketball of all, all time. And you, you can, I, can, I can sense a lot like um, somebody that has read books about Coach K and you talk about standards, you talk about similar things that Coach K talks about. But uh, for people that are uh, listening to Coach Unplugged and wanting to becoming a better coach, what are some of the biggest takeaways that you can get from such a legend like Coach K? Or some of the things that you, you learned and you took on with probably your life in general because he not only develops great basketball players, but he develops great people. Uh, so what are some of the things that Coach yeah. K made you become a better basketball coach? Uh, there, there was a – I think the thing that stands out the most for me about him – um, because the X's and O's of the game um, can be learned by most, by most people. Yes. Um, but his ability um, to relate and connect with his players and to have a sincere, I mean, he, he has a sincere care for their well-being. 
on and off the court. It, it, is, it was one of the most amazing things to watch. And he wasn't easy on them. He had standards and, and they, he held them accountable. But, you know, they knew that he really cared for them. And it wasn't about, it really wasn't about wins and losses for him. Um, I know that sounds strange when he's got over a thousand wins, um, but it was really about getting guys to understand how to work as a unit and how to learn um, to be a team, even if we have differences and even if we don't agree on everything, how do we put that aside on game day and move forward for us to have a collective goal? Um, that was one of the things I saw immediately from him, that he would take the time to individualize his approach with his players. It was amazing at that level, you know, he could, he could have just said, well, you know, if you're not going to do what I say, there's another player sitting right over here. Right. All right. I didn't see any of that. I saw that he was able to identify the proper button to hit for each of his players to get them to be the best they could be. The other thing that I learned from him um, from a leadership standpoint was the importance of uh, talent identification and putting players in the proper position to have success because with success comes confidence and with confidence comes productivity and that productivity then gives you wins. Right. And, and so to um, be willing to adjust his program, his system based on his talent has been one of the things that I think has not only added to the success of his longevity, but will keep him going until he wants to stop. And that's, and that's one of the reasons that uh, he's been successful at every level, in my opinion. Um, the Olympic guys, the NBA guys, LeBron and those guys, they love him. Right. They absolutely love him. And, it, and it's a respect thing. It's, um, he never puts himself above people. Um, he's never too high to, to do what needs to be done. He's a, I'm going to do what, it's, what it takes kind of guy. The third thing I think that was important um, that I learned from him is the importance of communication. Um, I think that might be uh, the one most important skill that a coach needs to have if he or she is going to be successful. Um, I think coaches have a responsibility to instill confidence, but they need the skill set to communicate effectively. And uh, the, as you communicate, there, there needs to be clarity in what you say. There needs to be some consistency in what you say. And you don't have a lot of time to say it. Right. Uh, normally, we get 30 to 40 seconds in a timeout. You don't have a lot of time for long dissertations and things that people need to figure out. You need to be able to get to your point. You need to be understandable and you need to tell all the players the same thing. They don't need to have, you know, all these different um, exceptions. He didn't have exceptions. Um, and, and those were three of the things that I think were really important. The last thing I'll tell you about is his attention to detail. All the great ones their detail attention is insane. Nothing goes unchecked or unnoticed. They are alert, they're paying attention, they're making sure that their practice plans are uh, run smoothly right down to the last second of practice. There is nothing that is careless about what they do. There is nothing about careless about what he did. Um, everything, is on purpose for purpose. 
and, and it's intentional. There is no, well, let's just see what happens. There's none of that. Um, there's being prepared. What separates the good ones from those that don't make it sometime when all else is equal, in my opinion, is the willingness to prepare, to compete and be successful at that level. People don't get tired of the relationship aspect of it and the camaraderie aspect of it. It's the preparing. Yes. That's the part of it that really can take its toll. And, and once you kind of get to the point where you're just not willing to do what it takes to, to prepare, then it's time to step out of that. Okay. So yeah, I, that, that's very, uh, it's very present in your book. Several of the things that you've done and learned from him, things that you talked about uh, asking that uh, one thing that I, I noticed is you emphasize a lot about the importance of culture, whether it was at Marquette or at Darien high school, where you uh, started your high school coaching basketball career. Could you uh, uh, talk a little bit about the importance of establishing a, a culture uh, within a basketball program? That is a, that is a, big topic and we could spend hours and hours and hours about culture and the importance of it but uh, maybe just talking about uh just some of the little tidbits about culture and why it's so important in a program well the the first thing you culture uh is not measured by wins and losses but it will impact how you win or how you don't win. Right. So I think we have to start with that and understand that. For me, culture is uh, as much about, or even more about how you do what you do and why you do what you do, and also what you don't do. And I think a lot of times, um, as you establish culture, the ability to transfer it from one uh, team to the next is the great challenge. Right. And so once you establish what your standards are going to be, and what is acceptable um, on, and on and off the court, then their expectation of the players coming in, they know what to do. And it speeds up your process a little bit. Um, and if you're trying to establish a winning culture you, and you haven't had one before, um, you probably are going to have to break down and dismantle many things that were there before you got there. And the one thing that I think is important in establishing culture is establishing a work ethic, uh, establishing your expectations, and, ex and also establishing feedback. I think those things are important in establishing a culture. Um, everybody wants to know three things in life. What's my job? Yep. How do I get paid? <laughs> and how do I get promoted? Whether you're a basketball player, a teacher, working in the corporate world. In the military. Anybody, I mean, anywhere. Anywhere. Yes. That's what people want to know. And they want to know that clearly. And that's got to be a part of your culture as well. It's a great um, point. And, I, and so I, I think that for me, um, because you know what? At the end of the day, when it comes to basketball, your winning and losing will rely a lot on the talent that you have versus the talent that the other team has. Okay. That's not, that's not to devalue coaching because that's not what I'm saying. But at the end of the day, all else is equal. The team with the, the team with the best players who have players that can make plays when they need to, they, they win more often than they lose. Right. Right. Um, but then if you've built a winning culture, 
even in the midst of losses, you've learned how to do that in a way where you learn. I, I, I believe in winning and learning. That's my W in L's. Right. I, I win and I learn because I'm always winning, even though the score may say it didn't work out that way. What are my guys learning? How can they take this, put it into the recipe for, their, for the next game and give us more success? I think you know, the business culture and so forth of growth mindset in, in the 21st century is people aren't looking at losing. It's more of what are we doing in regards to feedback? What are we looking in regards to, all right, so things aren't going the right way, but how can we learn from that? Absolutely. Important. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's um, because you know what, there's winning is a lot, is a lot more fun. Let's just, let's just put that out there. Yeah, absolutely. Okay? <laughs> so don't, 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 uh, don't believe the hype about, well, you know, it's, we're learning. Let me tell you something. You can learn from winning too. Yep. Okay. Um, but it's a mistake to not take opportunities when you haven't had success to learn from them, to grow, to have more success. One of the things I would tell my players um, is that I'm going to watch how you handle success because the way you handle success would determine how much success you can handle. You know, Coach Collins and I had a discussion on our podcast a couple of weeks ago. It's actually easier to talk to kids when they're winning or things are, you know, you win by 20 points and there's a couple of things that aren't really good. I mean, it's really easy to start talking to players at that point when you have a big loss. So, yes. you know I mean? One more thing I forgot, and usually I don't add these things, but I forgot that uh, Coach's book will be down in the show notes. Make sure you check it out. Um, it is getting undressed from paralysis to purpose. It's a great book. Go over and check it out. Um, we'll put a link down in the show notes so you can, uh, after you hear coach, you can go get it for him. All right. Bye. Hey everybody. I hope you enjoyed that. Part two will be tomorrow, which I think you'll, you'll enjoy and we'll kind of delve in a little bit deeper. Um, please subscribe and like if you, if you know, those, those reviews on, on iTunes really do mean a lot to us and, allows us to get the word out and keep doing and bringing these podcasts to you. Um, and teachhoops.com also allows us to keep bringing this podcast to you. You know, it allows, it keeps the lights on is what I like to say. So go over and check it out. It's a great community. Like I've said, it's Netflix for basketball coaches, but you get my personal email address. So <laughs> go over and check it out. Um, we'll talk soon. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.